0: Welcome to Management for Startups. Management for Startups is about managing in small businesses and organizations between two to 50 people. Uh, My name is Cedric. This podcast is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. So today I wanna talk about delegation. Um, And this episode is part of the mini series, the bare minimum you need to know to be an adequate manager. Um, And delegation happens to be the first of four techniques. The other three techniques are training, prioritization of your management tasks and doing one-on-ones as well as a fifth technique that we're not going to talk about in its own you know on its own but will be learned as you learn the other four techniques and the fifth technique is learning to give feedback or guidance to your subordinates this mini series is designed for those of you in startups who hate management but find yourself responsible for the output of other people and find yourself in managerial roles in your startup as it grew this series is tailored for you uh, and it contains just the bare minimum uh, you need to know to be effective and to gain a semblance of control over your schedule so that your managerial tasks can be taken care of and you can focus the rest of your time on whatever it is that you're passionate about uh, be it programming or marketing or designing. So When we talk about delegation, one of the strangest things that I've noticed is that when I started teaching uh, this management course um, to the managers in my previous company who were to replace me, I noticed that they knew what bad delegation would look like. Um, And it's quite obvious what bad delegation is because the English language contains a word to describe bad delegation, right? We call it micromanagement. Um, But even though they knew, in theory, that delegation can be done very badly, in practice, they couldn't help themselves occasionally, uh, sometimes stepping in to correct a subordinate's work, even in one or two cases that I can remember, stepping in to redo their subordinate's work completely. It's almost as if there's some external force or some Uh, Power that prevents them from acting in their best interests and even amongst my friends I remember talking to a few of my friends who were new managers and they said that They couldn't trust themselves or they couldn't trust their subordinates to delegate effectively And so why you know, I began to think like why does this happen? Um, in my experience, or at least from what I've seen, micromanagement happens for two reasons. The first reason is that you are personally interested or emotionally invested in a task that you are assigning to a subordinate. Right? So, if you, for example, if you've been arguing for a feature for a really long time, Um, you will feel this need to meddle or this need to be involved in the implementation of that feature when uh, your boss finally gives the go-ahead for that feature. And you will be lying to yourself if you delegate but still continue to hold on to the notion that you can be involved. So that's like the first reason. But I think the more common reason is that uh, managers in startups in particular tend to be very good individual contributors before they became managers. And so you find yourself annoyed by how slow or how lousy the output of the subordinate is, right? And you can't help but compare. Like, if I were doing your job, if I were doing that task, I would do it so much faster and so much better. And so you think to yourself like, Because you would do such a much better job, why not just step in and redo the work for them? In either case, you as a manager are using your superior work knowledge to meddle, to step in, or even to redo your subordinate's work. And the negative repercussions of that are pretty serious. I've mentioned before how uh, micromanagement is quite a horrible thing to be on the receiving end of. Like if you've ever been under a micromanaging manager, which is a terrible mouthful, anyway, um, you would know that this kind of management is is really horrible and a drain on your motivation. Um, And even worse is if uh, your team uh, is somehow okay with your micromanaging, what happens is that they learn a sort of learn helplessness, right? They sort of just give up on taking initiative and they think to themselves, you know, why should I bother trying? My manager is going to step in and redo everything anyway. So I might as well not even try to get better or be creative or take initiative. So managing, micromanaging is really bad, and it's worth it to sort of think about how to avoid the two reasons that lead to it, right? I think that there are a couple of techniques that can help you uh, avoid micromanagement and do a good job delegating. And I'm going to be talking about five of them in this episode. So the first technique that's been really helpful to me is this idea of having two hats, right? So you can be wearing a manager hat and you can be wearing an individual contributor hat where originally you were a programmer or a designer or a marketer and the rule about the two hats is that you can only be wearing one hat at a time so you are wearing your individual contributor hat or your ic hat uh, when you have a task to accomplish and your job is to finish that task so if you are a designer it will be finishing some design mock-ups and if you are a programmer it will be implementing a feature if you're a marketer it will be executing a marketing campaign when you're wearing your ic hat your job is to finish the task at hand However, if you are wearing your managerial hat, then the job is not to complete the task at hand. Your job is to focus on increasing the output of your team. And this is actually pretty profound because a lot of things that you do as a manager can be seen through the lens of, am I uh, increasing the output of my team? If I'm not, then I'm not doing my job and I can do a better job uh, by actually focusing on, uh, looking for ways to increase the output of my team. This is quite a fundamental principle and I'll return to it again and again, but for the process, I mean, for the purpose of this uh, particular technique, Um, using this lens of uh, hats, right, implies that you shouldn't be wearing two hats at the same time, and you should be very, very clear with with yourself, which hat am I wearing at any given moment? Um, I find it very useful, actually, to sort of just pause in the middle of execution of day-to-day as a manager and ask myself, am I doing this using my manager hat, or am I doing this uh, using my IC hat? And if I'm wearing my manager hat, then the question is: Does my action that I'm doing, that I'm about to take, uh, increase the output of my team, or does it decrease the output of my team in the short term or the long term? So if you you find yourself uh, stepping in to completely redo a subordinate's task, that could be a good thing if your redoing it allows you to teach your subordinate the right way to do it, but it could also be a bad thing in the sense that you completely step over your subordinate and abuse your superior work knowledge to redo the task for them, and they don't learn anything. The second technique that I'm going to talk about follows logically from this idea of the two hats. And the second technique is to recognize that you can keep certain tasks for yourself, right? Um, It is perfectly alright to be selfish. It is perfectly alright to uh, keep certain tasks and not delegate them if it meets uh, one of the two requirements that I've mentioned where you are really personally interested in it for your professional development, or you are emotionally invested in the outcome or the output uh, of a task. So examples of this would be if you're a programmer, there usually is, you know, there usually some tasks that are sexier than others. Uh, Maybe it uses a new technology or it uses some new technique that is all the rage now on Hacker News, uh, and you want to learn it for your own professional development as a programmer. And the other example would be, say you've argued for a feature for a really long time, and finally your boss gives the go ahead, uh, it's perfectly fine to keep it as a selfish reason to, uh, because you're so emotionally invested in that feature. But the key thing here is to recognize that you are being selfish and you are acting as an individual contributor, and not as a manager. If for whatever reason you have delegated it, don't mix the hats up, don't step in and don't meddle, no matter how painful it is. Um, this is an emotional uh, sort of uh, situation that you have to learn to deal with if you're a manager and you've delegated something that is super interesting or super important to you. Um, so technique one about the hats and technique two about being selfish goes hand in hand. You need to have to be mature enough as a manager to sort of say, okay, that's really interesting, but I've delegated it, so I need to do my job as a manager. Now, the third technique I think deals with the more common cause of uh, micromanagement, which is uh, you should, to prevent a subordinate um shipping something that is unacceptable to the business and requiring you to step in uh, and also to prevent you being annoyed uh, with the subordinate for being slow or for not producing at the quality that you would do if you were in your subordinate's shoes. What you should do is you should think of delegation as being uh, one half of training. So training and delegation has to be together. It's part of the same process. The magic that happens when you think of it like this is that you now see training your subordinate as a investment, right? As an investment. Uh, like a farmer planting a seed which later you know sprouts into a tree. Um, whenever you train your subordinate, you are basically enabling them to be delegatable in the future, which then increases the total output of your team. Um, If you you take a step back, this is totally obvious, right? Because if you think about it, delegation is only possible between a manager and a subordinate if both of you share the same set of information about how to accomplish the task, as well as the same set of operational values. Uh, And by operational values, I mean, you know, what is an acceptable level of quality for the output of the task? Uh, What is the sort of deliverable that is expected of everyone in the team? And that's something that only you as the manager can communicate which means that it is your job to train uh, all new subordinates and all new hires that you get in your team. So there are a number of interesting implications if you think of training and delegation as part of the same process. The first implication is that you should only delegate tasks that you know how to do, at least at the beginning. Uh, if you have a new hire or a new subordinate and you don't really know how good they are, or you don't really know them, it makes sense to give them tasks that you know how to train very well because you yourself are very good at them. The second implication is that, of course, when you are picking a task to delegate to a new subordinate, you should pick a task that is less complicated and is less critical to the business's success, right? So you shouldn't ask them to, I don't know, rewrite the um, bank account manager (laughs) in your startup. Um, You should give them something lighter like changing the color of a button or implementing a user interface um, where the the stakes are not that high you can take your sweet time to train and to educate them on the invisible organizational uh, information base and operational values and this then allows both your subordinate to grow and also it decreases the pressure on you as the manager And the third reason or the third implication of this is, of course, you have to check because checking on the output of their work and the quality of their work is how you train or teach them which leads us to technique number four so technique number four deals with the fact that you have to check the output of your subordinates work uh, because if you don't check uh, something that you've delegated, you've basically abnegated the task. And abnegation is not acceptable, right? It doesn't matter uh, whether you have actually looked at the task or not. If you have delegated it and it comes from your team, you as the manager are responsible for the output of everyone in your team. So obviously, we have to, have, we have to discuss like, checking strategies. And I think one of the questions that I get asked a lot here is, uh, does this mean that I have to spend all my time as a manager checking? Because it's horrible, right? If you have five subordinates, spending all your time checking the output of five parallel tasks means that you have no time for your own work. And the answer to that is, no, not really. You don't have to check everyone all the time. There are tricks around this. The first and most important trick is this idea of checking earlier and checking often when it's early in the process. So an example of this would be, you've delegated a task to a subordinate, you should check it at the lowest value stage possible, which means that when it's cheaper to change things around. So if it's a programming task, then you should check and ask for a plan before a single line of code has been written, because it's much easier to change plans than it is to change code. And similarly for design and for marketing, it's always cheaper to check and to change course earlier in the process than when people have already started working on it. And the implication here is that you should design your schedule to check more often earlier in the process so that later on you can check less and less when you are sure your subordinate is on the right path, which then means that you can use that time to focus on your own work. The fifth and final technique that I want to talk about is extending this strategy about the checks. To people instead. And this insight is from Andy Groves' uh, book, High Output Management. He calls it task-relevant maturity, which is this idea that uh, you can be good at certain tasks and you can be bad at others. So, for example, um, let's say we have a senior engineer called Joe, and we have to give him a task related to the back-end systems. And it turns out that Joe has lots of experience with backend systems and he has been around in the company for a really long time. So you can trust, right? And you can check, you can you know that you don't have to check that much because he has very high task relevant maturity for this task. But if Joe doesn't have a lot of experience with front-end tasks, for example, and you assign him to change something in the UI, then you still have to apply the same sort of strategy of checking early and often because he has low task relevant maturity. The insight here is that individuals are good uh, or, or, you know, they're, they're delegatable or trustworthy, not based on who they are, whether they're senior or junior, but based on how much experience they have for a specific task in your startup uh, or in your company. And this then informs you because at any given time, uh, you know that for certain individuals and for certain tasks for those individuals, you have to check more often, and for other individuals doing other tasks, you have to check less often. Anyway, these are the five techniques. Uh, I hope they've been useful to you for delegation. Next week, we're going to be tackling training uh, directly. And I I will talk about some techniques to deal with training and to make it more efficient. So thank you very much. Thank you for following. I'll see you next week.